It's me, David Webb, and here's a highlight from today's show on Sirius XM Patriot. I started out by talking about the chemical warfare, and it is chemical warfare being conducted on our country. The Chinese Communist Party, the source materials for fentanyl and other drugs uh, being provided to Mexican cartels who create the product, the open borders, the flow into our communities, and and a deadly situation uh, with both uh, fentanyl-related drug overdoses, whether fatal or otherwise. This is something that has a life-affecting capability on our young people. Senator Roger Marshall, also Dr. Roger Marshall, uh, joins me now to talk about this. I know we're going to talk about the Safe Schools Act as well, the details in that five-page bill, Senator. But uh, as a doctor, and when we talk about our young people, the effects of drugs, whether legal or illegal, on their brain development and other forms of development – Senator, are you there? Now, now we got you back. I lost you for a second, David. Sorry. Yeah, good morning. And, and uh, maybe you could uh, – I didn't hear your question, though. I lost you for 10 seconds. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the ever-faithful dropout, it happens in technology today. Uh, as, as I said, and if you heard the part about the war, the chemical warfare on our youth, right. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, fentanyl being the big news, but the effect on young children – while their brains are developing, their bodies are developing, and what drugs do to them. Yep. Well, well, David, this is why Kansas is no longer a border state, this fentanyl crisis. Uh, It's worse. This is a deadly pill. If you can imagine one Percocet, I mean, excuse me, one fentanyl tablet would be the equivalent of taking 70 to 100 Percocets at one time, that's why we say one pill can kill. Fentanyl will cause you to stop breathing. Every day in America now, we're losing about 200 people to fentanyl. Drug overdose, the number one killer of 18 to 45-year-olds. And, you know, when you think about drug abuse, uh, it's really a mental health issue. And so many of the, uh, the folks that are, that are doing the drugs are suicidal as well. And, of course, it, it develops their, their brain development, all those things. And I think more, more so it just it takes them out of school. It prevents the education, all those types of things. But fentanyl is deadly. You know, it's very few days go by in Kansas that somebody doesn't die from fentanyl poisoning. And, unfortunately, many times it's young children that are experimenting. And they don't even realize that the, what they're taking is laced with fentanyl. You know, every day we're picking up. Uh, marijuana laced with fentanyl, uh, methamphetamines laced with fentanyl. And to your point, China is driving this. China has its own pharmacist working with the cartel in Mexico, taking the precursor, sending it into fentanyl across our border and killing our youth, killing, killing adults as well. That and that often gets the major headline: the deaths. And having covered uh, black tar in the in the nineties, the late nineties, I've covered a number of these uh, these events uh, tied, by the way, to the cartels and often to the to China. But not every overdose is fatal. But a life changing or life affecting 
uh, moment, whether, you know, through drug use on the brain, for example, on development for a young child. And when you look at the experimentation and, you know, children are children uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, but as young as, you know, pubescent years, uh, where someone says, try this, or later on in their collegiate years, our brains are still developing into our early 20s. This is a potential of ruining a life, the ability to think, to formulate, to, to, to grow your intelligence. So many things come from this. And this is why I say, you know, at times you're Senator Marshall, but Dr. Marshall, you see these patients uh, and you know the field, even as an OBGYN, you see this uh, for what it is. So tell us about some of those effects. Right. Well, well David, I even go back to after conception, uh, that, that, that fetus, the, the unborn baby is so susceptible to problems as well. So uh, chronic drug use uh, significantly impacts the development of the, of the unborn baby's uh, brain as well. And then the baby's born into this situation. There's all sorts of withdrawal problems affecting the, the uh, social development of that child forever as well as the neurological development. It seems like the, the younger that the, the child is that's using these drugs, any type of drugs, is going to impact its, the child's uh, development mentally, physically, socially, all those types of things, literally killing brain cells for the most part. Um, and, this, and the deal with this fentanyl, though, is just that such a small amount can kill people. You know, our sheriff's officers are carrying Narcan with them, the, the drug that reverses this. The emergency room doctors sending fentanyl home with children saying, look, we'd rather you not take the fentanyl, but if you're going to, make sure your friends realize you've got this Narcan here to squirt it in your noses when you stop breathing. Don't you think that would be a wake-up call for kids to say, oh, my gosh, this is horrible? But, but you're right. It, it impacts kids uh, in so many ways, including their mental development as well as their social development. Yeah, a, de- a deadly situation, uh, and for many in our schools. Now, now let's pivot to uh, our initial topic here, and uh, that is uh, our children in schools and the Safe Schools Act legislation. Uh, I've read the bill, five-page bill, easy for you all out there to read. I'll make sure it's up on social media as well. Uh, So let's walk through this. Uh, Funding sources, uh, the ESSERF program, and uh, how it would actually work. Right, David. Uh, you, you pride yourself on a common sense approach to problems, and I think that this Safe Schools Act is a common sense solution. There's already been $150 billion appropriated to schools across the country that have not been used yet. So I want to empower local schools to use those dollars to make their schools safer. And so most importantly, this is not new money. This is already money that's sitting there, and I think this would be a much better use of it. Most of our schools have done a good job of putting that first layer of defense out there. They've locked all the doors. There's only one entry. But there's so many more layers of defense that we could add to that. You know, video surveillance, being able to secure each room individually, perhaps hiring armed guards, maybe have a mental health nurse uh, who comes in and checks on uh, the high-risk kids as well. So I want to free up local schools, local communities to solve their problems, not micromanage it from the federal government level. 
See, and that's an important part of this. Uh, assessments have to be made locally. It could be individual at times, but also where the school is, what is the level of crime and violence and other issues uh, that exist in that uh, in that particular school district or area where that school serves. Uh, the funding part of this, you know, the fact that the money's already out there, as you mentioned, and uh, from the COVID relief funds, uh, from a monitoring, a, a verification point, uh, would there be uh, that part of, uh, part of this under your proposal? Well, I would think any type of funding that the federal government has should be followed uh, by Congress, and that's the job of the inspector generals. Um, all, all those types of uh, people, they, they should be in place to monitor the spending of the money. But I, I really think that local communities will do a good job managing the, the money if we can just make sure that they're, they're involved in that decision-making process. There are also other issues on the table for many of these school districts, but just in principle, and again, for everyone, it's a five-page bill, very straightforward, very easy to read. Um, You have these consent decrees that began in the Obama years uh, and under Eric Holder's guidance, to use the term, that were put in place. We saw that play out deadly in deadly form, for example, in Parkland, at that the uh, Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High School, uh, those consent decrees often get in the way of programs when it comes to say mental health monitoring or reporting. And look, everyone as you've talked about, we know is entitled to a process and a proper due process, not just a claim. But what about the these consent decrees and your proposal? Um, David, you kind of got me on that. A consent decree, um, help me out a little bit. Tell me a little bit more. Well, they they sometimes, if they were signed by the district, prevent reporting a person who is a problem. And the school does not report to the authorities. And here you have a reasonable approach to a mental health check, if you will. So I'm wondering about a possible uh conflict there for the school itself well well, david certainly what what we're seeing is this this, uh, disconnect between what's happening at the schools uh, what that we're seeing problems with mental health and somehow that's not making it uh, to the next level so i think there's certainly that we would try to encourage that communication whether it's using uh, the, the fusion centers or whatever we can do to make sure that they're that the communication lines are open right one part of the bill, Senator, that I particularly like and I think requires, uh, well, it all requires attention, obviously, that's what we're here to talk about, is installing a system to monitor entryways, hallways, stairwells, and utility rooms, physical inspection, a buzzing system, or surveillance cameras. We have such good technology that we can use today. I've had suggestions from members of this audience. And, you know, the use of technology and properly trained uh, individuals, which you also have in the bill, can be used to, if not stop, at least provide better response and information if in a tragedy like Uvalde there's response. I think that is 
important, and with this funding, schools should make this assessment. Right, David. And again, I, I think you know, my dad was the police officer, uh, chief of police for 25 years, and there are people that do this for a living. The last thing we want is Congress micromanaging what what they would need. But you know, a, a, a panic button. You know, for instance, so if you're connected. Uh, with some type of audio visual uh, camera to the to the front door, whatever entries someone in the office sees that there's a problem, they hit a panic button the the school goes into a special lockdown and it automatically dials nine one one and scrambles uh, the situation as well. I think that's what we're we're after and and to your point to begin with, I think each school has a different risk assessment. So for instance, right now, I have a lot of private schools that are really concerned about the Roe versus Wade decision coming out in the very near future. So what do they need to do to beef up their protection as well? So again, we want to give folks maximum flexibility, get the experts in to come in there. Your local police officers, uh, sheriff's officers would come in and, and start that process. And then if you're not satisfied with that, I think you can go to some other professional uh, level of assessment as well. Well, the bill is there for all to uh, to read. Again, uh, five pages. I, I do like that about you over the years. You, you keep it simple, straightforward. And, and on the issue, uh, the points about keeping it local, having that assessment, but the funding's out there. And I'd rather see the funding be applied here in a common sense manner than to critical race theory and, you know, transgender shows for three-year-olds. This this sounds like a much more uh, reasonable use of those COVID relief dollars. Yep, you you got it, Dave. But I think it's something we can all agree upon is if we're going to throw money at the problem, let's make our schools Safer. And again, I'm proud of what we've done so far. It's time to take it to the next level. Um, you know, the, probably the one piece of this puzzle we haven't talked about is I'm always willing to learn from other people. I think that Israel does a much better job of risk assessment. And we, we already have what's called fusion centers that are out there that fuse the uh, information coming across channels from uh, the police, the sheriff, the, the uh, FBI, those types of people. So what type of a risk assessment can we get uh, from, from those folks? And then some communications from the schools when we identify these high-risk people out there. Let's do whatever we can to keep our kids safe. Senator Roger Marshall, sir, it's always a pleasure. Common sense, straightforward. I appreciate it. Okay, David, have a great day. Thanks so much. You can join me live on The David Webb Show Monday to Friday, 9 to noon east on Sirius XM Patriot 125.